just like you to use your imagination for a second. Imagine going treasure hunting with Jesus. <laughs> How easy would that be? Just walking along, Jesus says, prophesy over that one, say this. Jesus says, heal that one. Imagine going into a tough work meeting and Jesus is sitting right next to you saying, don't worry, don't fear, I'm with you. Imagine doing breakfast with Jesus, chatting to Jesus, what have you got planned today, what do you want to say today, where are we going today? That is what Jesus promised when he said in John 14, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'm going to send the friend, the Holy Spirit, the one who comes alongside. That's actually a promise of Jesus. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So everything of life is going to even be even better than it was for the disciples. It's better now than it even was for the disciples. Because Jesus was in one place at one time. Some got access, closer access than others. Some were at the Mount of Transfiguration, others weren't. Now, he's with us by his Spirit in us all the time. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. That's the wonderful promise of the Gospel. The Gospel, good news, is about what Jesus has done through his life, death and resurrection and what Jesus has made possible for us to enjoy which is God making his home in a human heart that we become the temple of God where God lives Jesus with you times that are full of God the promise of knowing Holy Spirit presence Holy Spirit empowerment, Holy Spirit energy, whenever, wherever we go, all the time, without ceasing, because nothing can separate us from the love of God. Holy Spirit who will lead us, guide us, teach us. Holy Spirit who will make the Bible come alive to us and give us revelation of love Give us an experience of joy, of peace. Holy Spirit who comes alongside us and says, Hey, you, you are a son. You are a daughter. You can call God Abba, Papa, Daddy. That's legitimate. Holy Spirit who says, Hey, do you look at the relationship that Jesus has with the Father? You can have the same one too if you want it. 
Holy Spirit who confirms our identity. Holy Spirit who brings us into a place of intimacy, of knowing that we are held and held onto and loved, knowing a God who's always with us. Holy Spirit who empowers our life that we might impact the world with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that we might have knowledge and wisdom and revelation and faith and prophecy, that we might do the works that Jesus did and the greater works, that at our hands the blind would see, at our hands the deaf would hear, at our hands the lame will walk, at our hands the dead will rise, at our hands the leper will be cleansed. Why? Because God has come and God has made his home in the human heart. That he might give spiritual gifts of prophecy, wisdom and knowledge. Jesus, when he's about to go, he's gone to the cross, he's resurrected out of the grave and then he says, before he goes back to heaven, he says, I want to tell you something really, really important. I don't know if there are books, but I'm sure there are books of the last words of people. I know it's not the last words of Jesus because he's speaking all the time. But his last words before he goes to heaven was in Acts Acts 1. He's talking about waiting for the promise. In Acts chapter 1, the continuing works of, of Jesus. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, Jesus says to the those disciples, those 120, that initial work of God. Just pause for a moment. Three years of God on earth. Three years of God pouring himself out to people resulted in the the initial church of just being 120. But Jesus knows that he can turn the whole world upside down with those 120 because he's poured into them, he's discipled them, he's trained them, but he knows he can turn the world upside down because Holy Spirit is coming. And he says, hey guys, don't leave Jerusalem, says in chapter 1 of Acts verse 4, don't leave Jerusalem. In other words, don't try to do this work yet. Wait until the friend has come. Wait until the helper has come. Wait until the advocate has come. Wait until the Holy Spirit comes. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. And then he says to this initial bunch, he says, you will receive power. You will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. So sometimes we talk and say, we want to transform Plumstead. We do. We want to outflow to our communities. We do. We want to prophesy life and lead people to Jesus. And we do. We want to raise the dead, heal the sick, and open blind eyes and deaf ears and cleanse the leper. But you can't do it if you've not received power. And Jesus said, you will receive power. So sometimes we, we, we want methodologies. Just tell me a methodology. Give me the methodology to heal the sick. Give me the methodology to raise the dead. Give me the three steps that I can do, that I can be in control. And God says, you can't control Holy Spirit. You have to receive him and receive the power. 
when Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Sometimes we do courses called, I want to be evangelistic. I want to, I want to share the gospel. It's give me the free steps to share my faith. And there are good training courses out there. But Jesus is a really quick one-step program kind of God. Receive power, you'll be my witnesses. It's like he said, I'll make you fishers of men. In other words, you're going to receive God and the reality will be you will receive power and the manifestation will be you will be witnesses. It's going to be an overflowing kind of thing. And you're going to be witnesses right here where you are in Jerusalem. You're going to be a witness in Judea, which is the regions just beyond. And you're going to be witnesses in Samaria. And you're going to be witnesses to the very ends of the earth. God, God has got no plan B. His plan A is to do it through the church. He doesn't have another plan. He's not thinking if they don't get it, the angels can do it. No, the angels are sent to work on behalf of us. To help us in the mission. If God wanted to um, bring a revelation of his love, he could go, (laughs) ta-da! He could do it really easily. But he wants to do it through men and women who are believing that the promise is for them and that they can receive power and they can become witnesses. And so he says, wait. Do not do anything until the promise of the Holy Spirit has come. So that's Jesus. And then we have Pentecost, where the promise of the Holy Spirit has come. Where the promise of Joel, which Peter alludes to after Pentecost, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. That the promise has come. This is the promise, Peter says at Pentecost. The promise of Holy Spirit has now come. This is the promise that Jesus speaks about in John 7, where he says, Come to me, anyone who is thirsty. And then he says, the Holy Spirit was not yet given at that point, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Jesus had not yet gone to the cross, been resurrected and ascended to heaven. Once that's happened, the promise of the Holy Spirit has poured out on all flesh. And so Jesus births the church in a God encounter. Jesus births the church in a God encounter. Jesus didn't birth the church in a Bible study. (laughs) They didn't have the Bible. They had the Old Testament and then they had the letters that they were beginning to understand with Scripture. Like Peter says, some of the things that Paul writes are hard to understand. And he calls them Scripture. They begin to understand that the letters of Paul were were scripture. And so the Bible's coming together, you've got the you've got the, the books being written, you've got the testimonies being collected. But they didn't gather into a Bible study and say, we've got to try and understand with our intellectual mind what Jesus said. No, they needed power. Because the best that they could do without power was to deny Jesus. It's the best that they could do. I mean these are people who were with Jesus. These were people who saw Lazarus raised. These were people who were at the wedding of Cana. These are people who saw the breaking of bread and, and feeding of the thousands. 
They needed a power encounter themselves because without a power encounter they couldn't be witnesses and they couldn't turn the world upside down. They needed Holy Spirit. They couldn't do it without God coming in them and on them. We must have Holy Spirit. And so when Paul visits and sees new people and sees new believers, his number one priority is did you receive Holy Spirit when you believed? It's his number one issue. Wherever he goes, did you receive Holy Spirit? So in Acts chapter 19... In verse 3, so Paul says, he says in verse 1, Did you receive Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, Okay, what baptism did you receive? And they discovered that they were baptized into John the Baptist. They hadn't heard about Jesus. And so Paul, Paul says, they, they said, John's baptism, they replied. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And listen, and they spoke in tongues that supernatural gift of God of another language that spirit to spirit can communicate and they prophesied there were about 12 men in all first question do you know who Jesus is? did you get full of the Holy Spirit? it's the number one priority of the early church we cannot understand the impact of the early church apart from understanding the emphasis and the priority they placed upon Holy Spirit. We can't understand it any other way. And remember Paul's exhortation in Ephesians 5.18. He he makes it clear that this encounter with Holy Spirit is not a one-time encounter with Holy Spirit. He says, go on being filled with by with the Spirit. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. In other words, getting filled with the Spirit and getting drunk look pretty similar at certain times. Because <laughs> that's what they said in Acts 2. Are these people drunk? No, it's only nine in the morning. This is the promise of Joel. <laughs> Go on, being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's present continuous tense. It's all the time, go on, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Not, I can remember in 1987 or 1997 or 2008 or last year, I can remember a time. Have a time today. Did you have a time this morning where you were refilled with Holy Spirit? Every day coming to be refilled. It's not a one-time event. It's not a one-time moment. It's not a historical thing we track back. Yeah, we're Pentecostal, so we remember that one moment. It's, did you have that moment today? Don't embark on anything without Holy Spirit. If Jesus is saying, I'll come to you, why would we want to do anything apart from him? Why would we want to do anything without him? 
He can come today and remind us of our sonship and daughterhood. He can come and be remind us of our intimacy. Papa, Daddy, Abba. He can come and give us power today. Amen. And so receiving the Holy Spirit doesn't necessarily all happen at the time of coming to Jesus. Now, for one man, Cornelius, the Roman... Everything seemed to happen to him in, in one moment. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 45, Cornelius, remember, Peter has a trance, sees a sheep being lowered from heaven with different kinds of food, and Peter says, I've never eaten anything unclean. And Jesus says, don't call anything unclean that I have made clean, thus making all food clean for people, for believers. And then Cornelius invites him and he begins to talk about Jesus. In Acts 10 verse 45 it says, while Pete, if we go one step, that all the prophets, it says in verse 43, all the prophets testify about him, that anyone who believes in him, so all you need is I've had an encounter with Jesus. I've had an encounter with the Saviour. I've had an encounter with the God-man. I've had an encounter for the, with the one who died for me, as me, who paid my debt for me at the cross. I met him. I believe in him. And then you receive forgiveness of sins through his name. Not through works, not through efforts, not through legalism, not through doubling your efforts, but simply by believing what Jesus did for us at the cross. And Peter was still speaking these words and Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, that's the non-Jews. They heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Cornelius gets the whole deal, wham, all in one go. That's what personally happened to me. I got baptised in the Holy Spirit before I'd even come to Jesus and repented. <laughs> I was listening to Yonggi Cho saying, if you want a blue bike, ask for a blue bike. If you want a red bike, ask for a red bike. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I had an encounter with Jesus. It was then two to three weeks of me weighing up, did I want to come to him or not? <laughs> Although I think he'd already come to me very powerfully and made his decision. Mm. And then he was leaving it, do you want to decide too? On many occasions, though, being born again and believing in Jesus can be a separate event to receiving the Holy Spirit. So in Acts 8.14, in Samaria, and it says in verse 12, And when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptised in water, both men and women. Then in verse 14 it says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they prayed for the, the new believers, um, that they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
Then Peter and John place their hands on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. So they have an encounter with Jesus. They've been born again, but the apostles in Jerusalem are, are fully persuaded that the most important next step is we need to make sure that these men and women have been baptised in the Holy Spirit. So then they arrive and they receive the Holy Spirit. It was a separate event. And we see the same with the Apostle Paul. He's, he's Saul, he's on his way to Damascus to throw believers into prison. The heavens open, he sees Jesus. Jesus says to him, why are you persecuting me? He's knocked off his donkey, he has an encounter with Jesus. He's born again in that moment, but it's a few days later that he receives his sight back and he receives the Holy Spirit, 9 verse 17. Then it says, then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He could see again. He got up, was baptised in water. After taking some food, he regained his strength. He has an encounter on the road and then he gets baptised in the Holy Spirit three days after his conversion. So you can be born again and yet not yet have this dynamic power encounter with Holy Spirit. Born again of the Spirit, no one can be born again unless it's by the Spirit, but it's clearly this separate event beyond being born again of being baptised in the Holy Spirit that Jesus emphasised and the Apostles emphasised. This is where it gets exciting. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, this is Pentecost. So Peter's been preaching and he says to the people, Repent. Or when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, because they'd realised we've, we've crucified Jesus. I mean, we are the city that crucified Jesus. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent. Change your mind about who Jesus is. Change your thinking about who Jesus is. He is the Messiah. He is the promised one. He is the Christ. Change your mind. You crucified him because you thought he was a blaspheming, imposter, madman. Now change your mind, be baptised in water, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And he says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you, that's the people who are hearing, and for your children. Now if the verse stopped there, we would have to assume that the promise of the Holy Spirit was just for the initial early believers. But then he goes on to say, and for all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call. That's everybody throughout a whole of history have the promise to receive the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, for your children, for people who are far off, for everyone the Lord in God will call to himself. Some say, well, that promise, yeah, is not for me. Because I'm not 
I'm not worthy to receive God like this. That promise is a great promise, but I'm not worthy. Others say, well, it's a great promise, but I'm not holy enough. Well, how are you going to get holy enough without the power of God? It's just a question. How are you going to be transformed without the transforming one who leads you into all truth? Some say, I'm just not ready. Others even say, maybe God's not ready for me. You know, if God God wants to give me the gift of the Holy Spirit, if God wants me to give me the gift of tongues or the gift of prophecy, he knows where I live and he's welcome to invade any time. But he says, no, there's a promise for you. The promise is for you. You've got a promise. You've got a promise from God. Not one day, maybe... For the stars align. <laughs> you've got a promise, and you've got a promise now. And God is ready for you. And it's a really easy promise. In Luke 11 and verse 11, it just makes it so clear that the promise is for you, and it's really, really accessible. And Jesus says, which of, your, which of you fathers... If your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So it's not... God knows where I live and if he wants to give me the gifts he can find me. I'm not denying there can be sovereign break-ins of God. But Jesus says, now if you know you've got a promise, come and receive and come and ask on the basis of the promise. We have a good father who will kindly give what we ask for. The simplicity of I just believe him like a child. You cannot see the kingdom of heaven unless you grow up and become like children. Children just believe because mum and dad said it. And we're to be like that with our heavenly father. You said, if I ask for the Holy Spirit, I will receive the Holy Spirit. You said, if I ask... I'll receive Holy Spirit, not something else. That if I ask for an egg, I get an egg. If I ask for this, I get this. Simply ask. I think there's something powerful. I'm just going to just take him at his word. I remember I became a believer, and, and one month later I heard that there was this gift called the gift of tongues. This supernatural language that God gives. That spirit can speak to spirit. (laughs) You You can be built up and strengthened and edified and encouraged by this supernatural gift. I heard that you anybody could have it. You just had to ask. 
So as an 18-year-old, I went to my bedroom and said, I would like the gift of tongues. And I got the gift of tongues immediately. And, and I'm saying that because other people have different stories. Sometimes it, it can be, it can, it, can, it can take longer. But ultimately, whether it was a long story or a short story, ultimately there came a moment where you simply believed. Whether it took you a long way to get there or it just took you 20, 20 minutes, there was a moment where you said, I simply believe on the basis that he said, if I ask, I'll receive. I say, get there as quick as you possibly can. Why wait? Because there's a gift, there's a promise for you. So, as we're going to receive the Holy Spirit, these are the things that are really important. The first one is faith. Amen. That's what the Acts 2, 38 to 39 is. You have a promise. So if you're kind of standing there thinking in the morning, I'm not sure if you'll meet me or not. You might meet me, you might not meet me, you might feel me today, you might not feel me today. That's not coming with faith. That's coming with doubt and unbelief. And you kind of, you're not sure. And that's okay to journey, like to journey to becoming fully convinced. It's okay to go on a journey where God is convincing and you're growing. But ultimately, we receive by faith. We receive because we recognise the promise is for me. I have a promise. The Holy Spirit, key to receiving Holy Spirit is believing that God wants to give you the Holy Spirit. That you are included in the promise. That you receive by hearing with faith. That's how you got saved, wasn't it? somebody told you about Jesus somebody told you about the cross somebody told you about a relationship with God and the Holy Spirit birthed believing yeah. in you and you simply believed it whether it was in a big meeting you came forward whether it was you put your hand up in a context in a meeting whether it was just you on your own with your Bible having an encounter with God there was faith, there was a moment of believing. That's how everything in the kingdom works. Yeah. It's the hearing of faith, that's how you get in, and that's how you inherit absolutely everything. See, it's interesting in, in the whole realm of healing and breakthrough, if we dial down our belief around healing, strangely enough, we don't see very much. We, we might see sovereign break-ins, sovereign encounters, but when we say, I'm going to align myself with what God says, I'm going to believe, we see more. Amen. Galatians 3 is one of the most important verses on receiving the Holy Spirit. And it says, in chapter 3, Galatians 3, we can assert our own names in it. You foolish Jamie! <laughs> Good to put yourself in the Bible. <laughs> who has bewitched you? Or who's put a spell on you? Hey, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. In other words, I painted a very clear picture to you, Paul is saying, that Jesus died for you to make a way for you to come home. And he says, I'd like to learn just one thing from you, Jamie. Just one thing. Got one question for you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? In other words, 
When you heard about Holy Spirit, did you go off and try and fix yourself and keep a whole list of rules? No, because I was listening to Yonggi Cho talk about a red bike, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I went to my room and asked for the gift of tongues, and I got it. Okay, so it was this, you simply believed what you heard. Yeah, that was how I received the Holy Spirit. I heard there was a gift, and I simply believed. Are you so foolish? Whoa. <laughs> Are you so foolish? It's got to arrest us. The Bible has to arrest us. It has to arrest us in our stupidity. Hallelujah. Are you so foolish? Having, after beginning by the means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? In other words, are you trying to fix yourself by modifying yourself and trying really hard? Are you trying to change the world through merely programs and, and steps? Are you trying to find methodology? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain? If it really was in vain. So again I ask. Does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by works of the law or by believing what you heard? You can receive the Holy Spirit today. You can receive a fresh encounter with Holy Spirit today. You can receive the gift of tongues today. You can receive the gift of prophecy today and words of knowledge and words of wisdom. You can receive power today, not because you're going to go away and get yourself ready, but you simply say, I believe that the promise is for me and I'm included. That's all you need to do. The Holy Spirit is not something you wait for until you feel ready. It's a gift of grace. Therefore, there is nothing you need to do to earn it. Whoa. Nothing. Um. Absolutely nothing. Jesus. Like Cornelius in Acts 10 didn't wait until he felt a bit more mature. Peter's speaking and Holy Spirit just goes whoosh. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, gift of tongues. The Ephesians in the Ephesian believers in Acts 19 were dripping wet. They've not done anything yet. They've not done anything yet. They've not read their Bible. They've not prayed. They've not evangelized. They've not changed their lives. They've done nothing. They're dripping wet. They get the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues. Paul didn't wait until he'd emptied himself. Well, Apostle Paul, you're a real rogue. Don't trust you. You persecuted the church and you murdered people. I'm going to wait a little while to see if you're really through, Paul. But Paul didn't empty himself or reach a certain level of sanctification. Three days later, he's baptised in the Holy Spirit. So it's simply believe. The second one is first. If anyone is thirsty, Jesus didn't say, is anyone holy? Anybody got their life together? Anybody got themselves sorted? Come to me. Did he say anybody who deserves this? No. Did he say anybody who's really impressive here? 
Anybody's really impressive, you can you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because impressive people, they're the ones who get the gifts. Impressive people who can wear silver dresses or silver suits, who look really impressive and amazing. Amen. <laughs> you didn't say anybody impressive. Anybody got a really impressive personality? Because I need to anoint an impressive personality. He just said, anybody thirsty? Anybody thirsty? That's how we got in. And then he says, I'm going to change the world through us. You just have to have a sense of hungering and thirsting. That's the only qualification. We said it a couple of weeks ago. The human engine is designed to run on the juice of Holy Spirit. It can't run on anything else. We have to, he is the bread of heaven. He is the living water. He is the fuel we need. We don't go very far trying to get our desires met some other way. Anyone who's hungry, anyone who's thirsty, that's the only qualification. And then finally, it's asking. Anyone who asks, asking is faith in action. It's coming to Jesus for it. I'm coming to you for the Holy Spirit. I'm coming to you and asking. Often in the Bible, it came through the laying on of hands. People laid hands and they received the Holy Spirit. But whether it was the laying on of hands or not the laying on of the hands, it's still exactly the same way. You come to Jesus for it. You don't come to a special man or a special woman. You come to Jesus and that Jesus uses men and women as a means to baptise people in the Holy Spirit. But ultimately, it's coming to Jesus. It's coming to drink and receive. It's coming simply to ask. Let's finish with two verses. 1 Corinthians 12.1 About the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them, and in everyone, is, the, is God at work. Now to each one, the, manifest of the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To the one is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another knowledge, to another faith, to another healing, to another prophecy, to another tongues. And then he says in chapter 14, earnestly desire gifts of the Spirit. Mm. Earnestly desire them, that you can have any of them. They can be situational in any meeting, but you can have any of the gifts of the Spirit. But he says, especially that you might prophesy. Some people think, oh, it's just special people who hear God's voice. Hearing God's voice is a birthright. It's a gift of God. It's a gift of the Spirit.